This episode is brought to you by Columbia Sportswear. It's snowing again, and that wind chill is killer. But you're not worried about that because you shop the Omni Heat Infinity Collection. It's warmth perfected with tiny gold dots that reflect your body heat inside and protect you from the cold outside. No snow or chilly temps can stop you now. Go out anyway. Shop the Omni Heat Infinity Collection now at Columbia.com slash infinity. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. What do your music playlists and podcast feeds have in common? They're a reflection of you. And that's how the State Farm personal price plan works, too. It gives you options to personalize your coverage so you can protect what you care about most at an affordable price that's just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Go to statefarm.com today to create your State Farm personal price plan. Prices vary by state. Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary. The great cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing cricket at the grade level. It's a tough, mean, dirty, dirty business being a great cricketer. A lot of cricketers, you know, that's all they know. They've mm. done it since they're 10 and they have a deep-seated fear of change. But the great cricket is all about being the most alpha version of yourself as possible at all costs and at all times. I don't bat or bowl. I just feel a gully, count the number of dot balls in a row, sledge 15 yards, make me feel better about myself. Thanks, Thanks champ. champ. Oh, no, you called me champ. <laughs> And welcome to the Great Cricketer Podcast. On today's show, we're going to review one of the greatest summers of all time and what has been an absolute festival of cricket. From England's World Cup win to Australia's retaining of the urn and everything in between, we'll pick out our favourite moments, revealing nothing means anything. But undoubtedly, the story of the Northern Summer has been Pavel Florin, the Transylvanian bowler who stole our hearts via the European Cricket League. He joins the show from Romania to tell us about his uh, hopes, his fears, his dreams, and why he'd probably get into your second grade side. That's all between, uh, all before hashtag AskTGC, the final hashtag AskTGC of this English summer. My name is Ian Higgins and I am joined by Dave Edwards in Sydney and Sam Perry in Melbourne. Boys, uh, first question I suppose should be, um, are, are you ready for a little break from the cricket? Because it's been such a long summer, it's been an intense period of cricket. Are you guys ready for a little bit of a break? Yeah, man, I think so. It's good to get some sleep back. He goes, and Dave, and welcome this evening to this final chat as I, I embody some kind of a current affair presenter. Um, yeah, man. It's, gonna, it's, it's been good getting some sleep already. Went to bed at 9.18pm last night. Oh, what a treat. And felt really good Beautiful. waking up at 6am. Yeah. Mm. Um, so if that's any indicator of how I feel, then, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad it's done. But it was great. It was a great summer. It was a great northern summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if, you know, we weren't talking about like heavyweight championship kind of cricket it wasn't worldies on worldies at all times but by god it was dramatic and the stakes were high so it was just it was in your face it was always there it was always on it was very 2019 in that way wasn't it the quality wasn't exceptionally high all the time but it was just always there and we gluttonously feasted on it Uh, and now i'm full very very full and sick (laughs) Over there, that's a separate issue. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when you overindulge in anything. I guess moderation is the key. I mean, I'm looking forward to this little break here, guys, and I'm sure the cricketers are as well. I mean, they must have just been so happy to get on that plane after months in England, a foreign country, away from families. Well, some of their families came with them, which is, you know, an indulgence on the, not on the taxpayer. Well, I was about to say on the taxpayer. But, you know, just getting on that plane, you know, walking into first class, I'm sure they did, just hearing familiar Australian accents around them from the cabin crew, you know, maybe watch some movies from the you know, Red Dog, the Dish, Australian classic section. <laughs> Is that what's on Qantas at the moment? 
No, just the the great greatest, showman. yeah, yeah. The great showman. Jackman. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Just putting those Qantas eye masks on, just getting a well earned kip. Boys, you've deserved it. You've retained the ashes. And I can't remember, you know, what happened really over the last three months, but it's all a blur. <laughs> sure. Um, but we'll sure. I guess we'll go through it in this podcast, hopefully. Try. Okay, so let's let's do it. Here's here's how we should frame this um, this opening segment here. I want to go through a couple of everyone's sort of favourite moments from the World Cup and the Ashes. I don't think it's happened before where like such two big series, like the biggest series in Australia and in, in English cricket's you know calendar mm. four year cycle, um, have collided together. But they have, and um, it's been amazing. I like just trying to think back to the World Cup. So um, let's let's go through individually. Uh, it's, Two of your favourite moments. We'll just go one by one. So, Pez, why don't you start? What's what's uh, what's one of your favourite mem- mem- uh, memories of the last summer? Um, summer. I got I, like I have two. They're sort of both from the Ashes. We can throw, you know chuck some. We'll talk about the World Cup as well. Yeah. Like one of one of it. One of them is an earnest cricket thing, and the other one is not so much. So, so I'll start just with the earnest one. one. Oh yeah, I'll give yeah. you the first one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just, just framing. Just framing. <laughs> framing. Important frame. Let me frame. Let me frame, <laughs> and then I'll talk. Mm. Uh, well. Um, Manus Lubbershane's um, call up from whatever fucking bench he was on, uh, <laughs> and um, mm. after the best since Bradman got knocked the fuck out um, mm-hmm. by Joffre Archer um, mm. at the at Lords, and coming in from um, from wherever he was in the nets and um, getting l- like littered hard in the middle mm. of his forehead, yeah, uh, and falling on the ground and bouncing up like a cartoon mm. character, second and, ball. Um, and saving the match for Australia in like a, I thought it was a, a triumph of technique and uh, and willpower. Like I, I thought that was the most underrated performance of the summer. There's so many great things to talk about, but uh, he saved the match for Australia when Archer was just blazing a trail mm. through the through the nation's hearts and souls. Mm. And uh, I just uh, I was quite inspired by that. And then I'm kind of doubling down because um, you know there was a former Test player who's a great friend of the show who. Um, Criticised me deeply personally for um, suggesting on Twitter that it was as good an innings as I thought that it was. So I'm just doing that out purely out of ego. <laughs> um, don't you reckon? Like, I mean, it, it was unbelievable what he did, but like, just the fact that he even did it with all the jokes that we were making about Labuschagne, not yes. just us, people in general. You know, I mean, he plundered runs over there in England, but it wasn't maybe the highest standard of cricket, was it? You know that he was blazing all those centuries in county cricket mm. division two. He was the, he was like the personification of earthing, you know, of the new the, of the new way of Australian cricket way, that everybody yeah. laughed at, and we will continue to laugh at as well with the eagle on the back of his bat and his Isaiah quote and um, and all of that kind of malarkey. Mm. And but but really deep down, all we've been crying out for is a number three. Uh, and we and we found one in Labuschagne who we yeah, as you said, we mocked mercilessly. Uh, he said the last. Laugh. He does seem to laugh a lot as well, and yeah, and just that, so, so that was that was my cricketing moment. I'll just kick off with the earnest well, one. I, I was I was going to say with Lava Shane, like has has there ever been like a such a successful selection where there's a bit about him and like you know like the, the Marsh jokes stem from having you know being selected because he's got a bit about him and people like him and like but it's never really worked out in Australian cricket history that I can think of in recent times anyway I'm talking like the last sort of maybe decade decade and a half selections based on if there's a bit about him don't really work out this is this has worked out because you look at Labuschagne's numbers they don't add up don't stack up okay he did really well um, in Div 2 County Cricket coming into coming into this Ashes series got himself into the squad still like picked because apparently Ponting really likes him so there's a bit about him very popular mm-hmm. trains yep. hard you know all those like untenable 
tangible characteristics. Um, but it's just worked out really well. And, and now I think we can look for more guys who've just got a bit yeah, of that. Yeah, he goes. And, you know, that's not a data point that, you know, the likes of Crickviz can establish. I mean, there is no <laughs> metric for having a bit about you. And I yet. like that. No, it's, a, it's a gut feel yet. selection. And, mm-hmm. you know, historically there's been probably too many gut feel selections and, you know, perhaps to our detriment. But, you know, it is good to see one every now and then that comes off. And that was that was a great one. Really was. Mm. And he's our number three now. The thing that I like about Marnus, though, and that whole concept of having a bit about him is, like, it's a different style of having a bit about him at the moment. See, in the past, like, the, the things you had about you were the chest and the pipes and the deep voice and the beers mm. and the chops and the chop mm. stories and yeah. the nudity mm. and... You know, there actually are data points around this and we'll release our annual report uh, in 2020, but that's something we've not announced yet. Um, It's a different stats company we're starting. But what I like about Marnus and what makes me feel safe is that uh, what he has about him is a childlike, pure, nerdish love for cricket. And while we can mock that um, very, very deeply Mm -hmm. uh, because it shows all sorts of other gaps in his social life and whatnot, uh, really, (laughs) when he came out to bat against Jofra Archer, I have to confess, like at 2am, I thought, uh, you know, he's got God on his side and Mm. I'll I'll take anything at the moment. And he... like he, lo- he loves the game. He loves cricket. He eats cricket mm. balls. He just bats. And he's just like, oh, we, we need that. We need more people who just love cricket. They're not athletes first. They're cricketers first. Mm. That's why I love Manus. Mm. Mm. Interesting. It's kind of like how um, religious people, uh, sorry, a, a, like non-religious people see God in their final moments, apparently. That's, um, yeah. that's always the claim. I like how and he puts Bible your... verse on his bat to show that he's sponsored by God. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there goes our sponsorship with the uh, Westboro Baptist Church. Uh, Pez, what's your what's your, what's your uh, second uh, highlight of the summer? Okay, well, the second one, I thought we'd go around in circles, but okay. Um, yeah, yeah, well, we might as well just uh, roll off. Okay, um, well, the second one was, and it's, it's probably a little bit indulgent, but it's a story from us being in the UK, and we uh, we turned up to London, we were extremely jet-lagged, we obviously all went out that night because we're um, not stupid. wise people, and we're stupid, yes. And then we went to... Edge Baston the next day, so we're fractionally hungover. We um, shamelessly requested to be on the BBC and, and were, were, were given the green light uh, on, on radio, which probably shouldn't have happened, but we had a really fun time. Just after our spot on the BBC, we were all extremely <laughs> nervous, etc. We um, stood in the corridors and all sorts of people are walking past and stuff like that. And Jim Maxwell, who I'm sure he's listening to the show um, at the moment, kindly, he stopped, he stopped us. And, um, and, and I just want to say to the listeners... Um, quite often people stop us and, and okay, I don't want to do the like fourth wall indulgent thing too much, but just, just once, no. um, quite often people stop us and will give us their grade cricket and club cricket experiences. And, and sometimes if they were better cricketers than us, they'll sort of do it in a way where it's like, you know, boys, I know more than you, etc. And you say, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well done. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Thanks. But Jim Maxwell, he stopped us and told us two or three of the most heinous <laughs> club cricket stories I've ever heard. Deadpan. <laughs> Uh, when we, he didn't we laugh would, once. Didn't even smile. No, he, he kept, didn't smile. He kept it, the strictest of eye contact with Higos throughout the entirety of these anecdotes as well. You know, one, you know how people fixate on one person when yeah. you're talking sometimes? Because he, he was right that, next but, to you, he goes. He was just yeah. eyeballing you to his left. But you just need to understand, like, just to take it into the room, like, he just finished a commentary stint where he was sat. We, we got to see it. Like, he sat right next to Jeffrey Boycott and their knees and feet were oh, touching. They were so close to each other. Were, as they were talking. And we were just like, oh, this is how the sausage gets. 
gets made. And um, and he came out, and you know, everyone knows his voice, so it's just quite surreal to hear the, the voice of your childhood um, tell you three of the most disgraceful oh club cricket stories about old players. Uh, and then just to cap it all off, someone came around with some ice creams, and he said, "Want one?" And then grabbed five and walked off. <laughs> Did he even blink? Did he even blink? <laughs> did he I don't even know if he knew no. we were there. But, um, <laughs> no, I loved Jim. Loved Jim, obviously. But that, that was one of my yeah. moments. It was like a scene out of Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah. And I'm extremely conscious of, that, of, you know, sort of going beyond that fourth yep. wall there. But I just thought that had to be said. No, that's... Yeah, that, that was good. Tough to beat. Well, hard to dissect that as well. Um, all right, Edos, we'll move on to you. Give me, uh, right. give, give me one of your first moments. Uh, I don't, this isn't a favourite moment, but I thought it was a telling moment. So, sure. obviously, Dave Warner had a fucking terrible Ashes series, but he went mm. okay in the World Cup. But mm. he scored really slow, if you'll remember. Mm. And yeah, I do remember that. Now that I think back, I, I really think this was a warning sign. Because, right. um, okay. you know, I mean, we never could have predicted the <laughs> way that he would... Yeah, the, well, the cry for help that was. But you know, he just failed so badly in the Ashes, but he hit runs in the World Cup. And... Mm. I just think we, if we if we thought deeply about Davy, we would have seen that as a warning sign. It's kind of like when you're predicting a recession. You know, mm-hmm. there may mm-hmm. still be some economic growth, but recessions mm-hmm. typically start when the economy is at its peak overall, yeah. and that's why you need to dig deeper and look at other economic indicators like mm-hmm. wage increases and underemployment yes. figures. And if, if we were honest, we would we could have looked at mm-hmm. Warner's performance in the World Cup in a similar way as a possible indicator of decline because he wasn't mm. batting the way Davy Warner normally bats was he mm. the runs weren't so flowing he sort of freely. saw it as like economic headwinds his his batting and his strike rate were were a sort of predictor of economic or yeah. run scoring headwinds to come but there were headwinds yeah housing headwinds yeah small mm. business optimism mm. all that kind of stuff um, you know, are you saying that it was like the global financial crisis where the banks in America were just kept, kept um, you know, handing out loans and everyone thinking, here are the, here are the good times, the good times are here to stay, yeah. and then the, then, then, Wasn't then real the money. bubble burst? Well, that's what and I then, thought. I thought the good times were here and Davey Warner was here, and this mm. was just a precursor to his dominance in the ashes. But, you know, we were worried a little bit about his strike rate, but if we go back mm-hmm. to the World Cup and we see how Australia batted, I mean, we mm. kind of broadly just accepted that, you know, we'd adopted this 90s-era approach to the mm-hmm. World Cup and that we would bat the, try and bat the 50 overs and post somewhere between 230 and 270 and then grimly defend that total. And just no one mm-hmm. saw Davy Warner's decline maybe as a, as a warning sign for the Ashes. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that maybe he was out of form during the World Cup as well? And yeah. Like we, just, we couldn't really tell? Because he scored that 100 against Pakistan, didn't he? And I know he, he did score the second most times. amount of runs in the World Cup, I think. But they just weren't the right yeah. kind of runs, he goes. Not the right kind of runs. Or a strange right kind, of, kind runs. of runs for, for David Warner's style. I mean, for Mark Taylor, maybe that would have been good. Mm. Sort of 15 or 20, <laughs> 20 odd years ago. Yeah. I mean, one of the things with underemployment, though, it's quite interesting. They don't, it doesn't put high pressure on wages, uh, obviously. No. But wages have actually <laughs> remained stable, if not increased a little bit next to the cost of living over the last 20 years. That's a good point. Good uh, point. And also, m- a lot of the part-time and casual employment in Australia, and I hate to say this, like because I'm kind of against the gig economy, but mm-hmm. um, a lot of it is through choice. Uh, and m- many people are happier mm-hmm. in part-time or casual arrangements, and it does help um, both you know men and women ha- make choices in the workforce that they uh, want to make. <laughs> Underemployment is out of, out of control 
competitors. I mean, there was some data that came out today which indicates that, uh, that, I, could, that I could point to. It's not out of control. It's at 8%. Well, what's, it, what's interesting, around. though, is this, this generation that we're living in right now are the most, you know, materialistically endowed of any generation previous, and that's kind of like Coulton Isles runs. Mm. Um, I'm not sure in what capacity. I just feel like saying that. Oh, I was really hoping that was a segue into yeah. your moment. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm not professional like that. Well, yeah. I, I will. I will use my first um, uh, moment here as a. Mine's also like a, a precursor to what was to come. And if you can guys can cast your minds back to that first game of the World Cup, it was um, England were playing against um, South Africa, and Ben Stokes took, in my opinion, probably the greatest catch of all time, mm. um, goalkeeper style, backhanded, fielding sort of not on the rope. He was kind of like 15, 20 metres in from the rope and just took an absolute screamer. And let's be honest, we are living, we have been living in the summer of Stokes. Mm. You know, there's both of 81, Flint off 05, Stokes 19. That's just that's just the way it is. I mean, you think of like all the great things Stokes would then go on to do mm. and that catch has just now forgotten. But in my opinion, it is actually the most difficult catch I've ever seen executed. Like <laughs> oh, the, the, the stuff that like gets you the highlights are the ones where like you catch it, then you go, if you throw it up in the air, then your, your teammate catches it. You know, or you catch it yourself, yeah. that kind of thing. Sheldon Cottrell took a great catch against Australia, kind of run around the boundary, plucked it one-handed. The skill involved with Stokes' catch in that, in that ODI game was like, it is fucking amazing. And it was probably like the fifth best thing he did the entire summer. Mm. Um, so that was that was kind of my one. But it was, all, it was all a precursor of what was to come, wasn't it? Yeah, well, we didn't know it at the time, did we? But fuck me, it was a good catch. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, you're, you're right, he goes. And I think, like, there's so many sliding doors moments in cricket over time. Mm. Uh, you know, Stokes, b- because of his indiscretions a few years ago, missed out on the Ashes down here. Yeah. And he was in an absolutely rich vein of form then as well. And it would have been yeah. very interesting to see if he could have done anything. Obviously, Australia won really convincingly. But uh, there was a sense that he had so- he did have something to prove and he just showed himself to be a huge class above this summer. And, like, yeah, it, mm. you know, it's interesting, like, the both of 81 I mean comparisons are usually pretty rubbish anyway generally speaking but like yeah had had England managed to win the Ashes here uh, you know you're talking about a rise you know Sir Ben Stokes I reckon because he's basically got them over the line in the World Cup final uh, you know, which I know a lot of Kiwi fans will not like us talking about in any way. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he just showed what a f- fantastic player he is and we just wish we had him. He goes, I'll do another um, possibly a precursor um, sure. moment for mine. Mm-hmm. And, and this is also for our Indian fans. So this is early on in the World Cup. Steve mm-hmm. Smith obviously still finding his way. You'll remember that game mm-hmm. against India that we we lost. It was a round game and... Yeah. And Smith got sent down to fine leg, and the crowd, i.e. the Indian supporters, just started oh, booing yeah. him. Mm. And Coley, obviously the captain of India, just walked over, just fucking emperor-like, and just mm. motioned for them all to calm down, and mm. they did. And, mm. you know, he pointed to the logo on his chest and mm. said, you know, you're cheering for India, you're not here to boo mm. Smith. And then, mm. and then I think he shook Smith's hands to complete the gesture. And it was just this fucking big dick energy <laughs> alpha. Like we talk a lot yeah. about alphadom on this podcast, yeah. mainly with tongues in cheek and mainly completely um, spuriously. But this was really interesting just to see the absolute power that one person mm. has. Like he'd literally just changed their behaviour with a, you know, just a small <laughs> yet powerful action. Yeah. And it was fucking nice to see like it was it was and it was a different side to Coley I mean he's a he's a fierce competitor and you know we've seen his funny side you know funny moisturizer ads and you know his mm. social media game and so on but on the field he's always just been this ruthless character but mm. 
I just thought it was an interesting moment. And obviously, you know, this was early Smith still trying to find his way in the World Cup mm. and, you know, just had one of his compatriots come over and publicly back him. And I mm. thought I thought that was an interesting moment. And if you contrast that with how the English talked about him, where they basically said, fill your boots, fans, boo as much as you want. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that we know this is why you come out to watch cricket anyway. Oh, yeah. mate, that's such, that's such a good point. Though. I actually forgot about that. That's, uh, it, and it didn't, didn't, it, didn't that confuse us, us as Australians to, like, how are we supposed to feel about this? Because Coley, like, um, you know, one of the most hated competitors, you know, I, I, I vouch that if he was Australian, he'd be probably prime minister for a period of time. Um, we just love him. But, like, we, we really do hate Coley because, as you say, rightfully, Edos, he's so ruthless on the field. But then, like, you know, when the man, you know, pats the BCCI yeah. crest, <laughs> yeah. the, people, the people stop and listen. And it's just like, but how are we supposed to feel about this? We're like, yeah, Coley was right to do that. Still hate him. Still hate yeah. him. But, yeah, he was right to do that. But and we, then, we don't know, hate him in like we, a, I think we like him. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a love hate, isn't it? It's like, like we hate you out of respect. Like, like you, you've been so good that you've now emoted from us you, you've made us feel something so we'll always mm. respect that yeah it's a yeah we all need to go to therapy yeah i guess i was kind of basing my opinion on reading social media which is obviously the completely intelligent thing to do um always but yeah mm. just it's a, it's a really interesting comparison isn't it, to you know say steve harmison who isn't in the same sphere as Vrat Coley, but um <laughs> harmison really really getting it right on there saying nah he'll always be a cheat he'll always be a cheat <laughs> please yeah, give always. me a contract talk sport well speaking of feeling stuff like because my second one my my second one um is is nathan lyon's dropped run out oh yeah at headingley it was was the oh my god of the summer and i don't i hate to bring that up again well i I say i hate to but I, i deliberately have and it's just because um it made me feel something that i just haven't in decades of watching yeah. international cricket and like mm-hmm. to put it into contrast the next test match Australia retain the Ashes at LBW three reds for that for the Hazelwood LB on um, Overton mm. and I was watching it what was it about maybe two three in the morning something like that and I just gave it a fist pump yeah and I just I was on the couch by myself just a fist pump just like yes like my, my team is one yep but like the reaction that I yielded from watching Lion Drop the catch, followed next ball by the most plum LBW in the history of cricket. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just, I just haven't had that visceral reaction. But what did, just, what did I, you do? Like, what did you emit of a noise, or did you like just feel like goose, like the goosebumps meme when someone's whispering in the ear, or like what was your yeah, yeah, physical yeah. reaction? Good reference. Um, well, I, I told the story at the time, but I, I had a, uh, I was, I was I had a date over. And oh, I just, apologies, you have. Uh, this is I actually content. presumed that whenever you talk about watching cricket. At this point. <laughs> well, I can't watch it alone, you know. Yeah. I get scared, <laughs> especially watching Joffrey Archibald. Ha ha ha! Um, but uh, yeah, like uh, so, I screamed "fuck" during yeah. the um, the run out, the intercourse, um, and <laughs> during, during the intercourse, uh, and then the next ball, uh, I did the same thing as Pez. I was like, uh, I was less than thirty centimeters away from the TV, screaming, "That's out! That's fucking out!" Yeah. And I, I just like just compared that to when we won. Uh, you know, yeah. we won the next test match. It's just nothing. So, like, the, the feeling <laughs> of that misrun out is just that's I, I'm, I'm taking that forward for a long time, and I'll hold that close to my heart probably until I die alone. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember, like, I don't think I said anything. 
I was so gobsmacked. It all happened so incredibly quickly. Mm. And I'm glad. I'm surprised it hasn't yet been like a JFK esque kind of um, it was a movie about, the, about about it about you know the ball hitting the ground back and to the yeah. left. Like does it skip? Does it skip? Does it, <laughs> it was jump? A magic ball theory. Still, yeah, like is it, did it actually land closer to him than we appreciate? But mm. that's something that we can look at down the track, maybe in our annual report. But uh, yeah. Yeah. I think my my heart just I think I just froze and my heart just sank. You don't get really bad news, yeah. and or or you get frightened, or you get you know caught doing something you shouldn't be doing. Yeah, um, yeah. headmaster's office. You, you get in trouble. Head headmaster shit. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. <laughs> uh, and your your heart sinks. I think that's what I had, and my my jaw dropped the way like the scream mask. Just, yeah. You know, 20 nice. year reference. I just looked like <laughs> yeah, that yeah, for yeah. about, I had the screen yeah. mask on for about five seconds. Yeah. Face turned green. Yeah. <laughs> I just like being, I like feeling like that. And cricket's yeah. not really a game. Like, it's one like of the reasons why, why football slash soccer is such a popular sport because it's very low scoring and emits these emotions that are like pent up. And yeah. like cricket is drawn out of a five days in this epic series and there's one moment, split second like that, like a goal, yeah, goal a- going in or a penalty or whatever. Like, and, and that was the equivalent. And just the release, and it was just so nice to feel something. And, I, and um, well, test matches, it, close test match finishes. It is the most fucking slow release, uh, tantric shit, tantric outcome yeah. in all of sports. It's yeah, you're right. It's five days. It's, it's heightened tantric. emotion. It's mm. all building towards this one moment, and fuck, it makes you feel, doesn't it? And we don't like feeling mm. these Real days. Orgasm. Mm. <laughs> Dave, what's your, do you have a second one? Uh, we, I think I've already done two. One? I mean, I've got they more. Do, yeah. um, what else yeah, did I feel? Like, um, highly recommended ones. Oh, I mean, what I, about what about? I like to talk about Warner, uh, Ponting and Steve Waugh on the balcony, generally, yeah, sure, and just sure. the symbolic, feel, you know, importance oh, yeah. of that. Don't have to go into it too much. We've talked about it a lot, but you know, forearms, hairy forearms, yeah. Steve Waugh's mm. squint, and just again feeling things. You know, mm. late at night, and just going, what you know? Why does this make this makes me feel more comfortable and yeah. safe than it probably should? Well, you know, I've been talk, yeah. I've been told meditation's good, I've been told exercise mm. is good, but I, I feel calmer just through the vision of those guys in tracksuits watching cricket. Well, it so, just made us know, feel like in that. the time when the world was simpler, Pez. It's a complex, mm. fast moving, twenty four seven world now, and it brought us back to the late nineties, political stability strong economic growth, sporting success, all that kind of stuff. Mm. And, mm. you know, these days we have none of that. And I don't really care mm. what wisdoms he imparted to the team and I frankly don't care. You're right. It was it was all about just making us feel safe. Like, my, like It's kind of like a national emergency. Like, um, you know, like the movie The King's Speech when yeah. the King's you know, has to deliver a radio broadcast, you know, announcing mm. the war on Germany. It's a bit like that. Like well, the people just needed to see this or hear this, and maybe that maybe That's Australia true. maybe that metaphor works for the English summer. Australia had a stutter, and Steve Waugh is Jeffrey Rush's speech pathologist character <laughs> who came in and cured it. <laughs> I think that's. I think to me, like to me, the the Ponting and War stuff just kind of reminds me like how we put all the eggs into the Ashes nineteen basket, and you know, it's the thing of like World Cup semi final, retain the Ashes. You look at that on paper and you go, yeah, before the series, I would have taken that. But like, I'm going to look at this in like six months' time and go like, or actually, actually it'll come around like next time when we mm-hmm. go to England, I'll be like, fuck, we just we should have won, we should have won the Ashes because so. next time we go in four years, it's going to be like they still haven't won here in in twenty two years and all yeah. that stuff and it's like look at like look at the state of what was happening with England like <laughs> Anderson bowled four overs in the entire series Steve yeah. Smith had the greatest series in the history of fucking cricket you know Joe Root had 
to bat three, didn't want to bat three. Yeah. England's four, five, six, seven average, like less than 35. Um, and like, and we still couldn't do it. Like, it's just so hard to win there. We get to the oval, fifth test, win the toss, you beauty, we're going to have a bowl. Fuck. Do you <laughs> really feel like we, we didn't do it? Like, I, I, I felt like they did it. Like, they, they did what they came to do. Like, everyone knew the terms of engagement. Mm, they right. knew what returning with the urn was. I, I, I just, I just personally don't feel like there's, um, there was something missing from that. There'll be wind-up people when we go mm. back saying, you know, oh, you still haven't mm. won here or whatever. But, like, uh, like they, they won. No, we had to you go know, and they, win it. And, yeah, it was like a Pyrrhic victory, wasn't it? Like, there was a lot of fucking bloodshed, high body count. But, you know, we went mm. there and, and we've been declared winners. And mm. we, well, what I think, and this is a, a tangent, we should just fucking get to take home the Ashes urn. I'm sick of this shit, how it has to be, like, <laughs> held in England. I actually it's saw today that I think the urn is coming back to Australia um, yeah. From December to February, Melbourne. but it's going to be exhibited at the library in the State Library in Victoria. So, obviously, any history I love us out there should should get over and check it out. But why can't we fucking be trusted? Why why don't we get to keep the urn on a? I, I just I want it. I want to see it because <laughs> it was a gift. Yeah, <laughs> mm. I know you think they might go. Well, obviously, we both. It's both of ours now, but no, no, that, that doesn't happen. It's, but it's, like the ashes is like the ashes is a child of divorce, and England won the custody yes. battle, and Australia is just a beleaguered dad who like gets <laughs> shitty visitation rights. But we don't. We oh, don't. No, no, the latest inquiry under Hanson and Andrews. Dave. No, we, it's like strict supervision by government agencies when mm. we get to visit it. Like, I want fucking. I want three days. Give me three days. <laughs> Give me Tuesday to Thursday, love. I'm good for it. <laughs> <laughs> Any others from you, Higos? Any any highly recommended feelings or thoughts from there? Um, I, I um, I'm just trying to think. I kind of kind of went through like my the, the main ones I wanted to speak about. I, do you have anything else, Pez? Oh, I just want a quick shout out for um, and this will only mean something to those who came to our second London show. But um, oh yeah, the question from Graham Thorpe's son. Oh, yeah. uh, oh just, yeah, just who just stood up and um, made a number of comments. Were they public about Mr. Thorpe? Um, would be interesting. But um, yeah. those who went to the show will know what that means. Well, and, I'll, um, I'll give a shout out to the guy who asked the question directly after that, who opened this question with like, <laughs> I'm Shane Warne's son. And <laughs> yeah. um, it was probably the laugh of the entire tour, which is yeah. always good when your fans are funnier than you are. Yeah, yeah, that's right. um, so that's good. Um, I, I, we've got a couple minutes here. Um, looking forward, England go to New Zealand. Um, Australia also play New Zealand by Pakistan before that. They're also going to India uh, for an ODI and T20 series in fucking January because that's the middle of our summer, so we should go to India. Hmm. Uh, and that's just, you know, that's just big dick energy all over again. Um, I mean, there's, there's a lot happened. I kind of think, like, no one's had a better Ashes than Joe Burns. <laughs> you know, I feel like mm. no one did more to their career than Joe Burns. Um, opening the batting, right-hander, not really sure why he didn't um, at least stick around for the for the squad. Bancroft did, Marcus Harris did. Uh, I don't know, it's a weird one. But is there anything we can look forward to in the immediate future for Australian cricket, for English cricket, for anything? I just think there's a good like I don't think Australia's batting is that bad. I like I just think that things are so different on different conditions and a bunch mm-hmm. of them are probably going to come into the Australian summer. They won't be facing a, a consistently potent deliveries mm-hmm. that you get in the UK even though you know both New Zealand and Pakistan have some good bowlers. Colin de But I do. It's a uh, well, of course and uh, you know we should talk about Colin but uh, we won't because mm-hmm. uh, we're myopic Australians and mm-hmm. uh yeah, I, I think a lot of those guys will probably do 
quite well. I think the batting line is probably a little bit more solid than people think now. It's just that like it's really fucking hard to bat in England, as evidenced mm. by the, re- the returns of both sides. Mm. Um, Edo, what are you looking forward to in the summer? Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward Run to this fist. little break. I mean, obviously, I'm suffering from emotional exhaustion from mm. um, retaining the ashes, so I'm, I'm looking forward to a little bit of a break. Um, New Zealand and Pakistan, looking forward to welcoming them to our shores. Uh, the big bash <laughs> as well, I guess that's a thing. Do I care? Not sure. I guess I'll find that out over the next few months. <laughs> Keep talking about what you're looking forward to. I'm looking forward to getting some of the uh, some of the New Zealand talent onto the show that we asked for a couple of years ago, but I don't think we were. Um, well, we, we I, I remember we trying to get Jimmy Nation. Jimmy mm. Nation. Um, I'll tell you what, mate. To. I'm looking forward to like Fox will have back the cricket. I mean, I know we have a relationship with other networks, but fuck me, those KO minis—they got me through the World Cup. As a full-time worker and a you know time-poor parent, these automated highlight packages, boy, they they do a job. Why would you say that? Another network is seven, yeah. and, then, and then say other networks, which we're yeah. actually contracted it's like to. not talking about the opposition leader. <laughs> uh, I won't, I won't mention uh, him by know, name. The member for Grainler. <laughs> We've got uh, Romania's finest on the phone uh, in a couple of minutes' time. After that, hashtag AskTGC. Look, to be honest, I don't try and take the piss too much, but the problem is you start to get a little bit bored, so I sort of... I used to hate that. I sort of... uh, I try and do the right thing by the competition, I must admit. When I go there, I try and play conventionally, but realistically, I'm thinking from ball one, I just want to park this fucking thing into the car park. (laughs) (laughs) But you don't want to come out of it and people say, look at that arsehole Hodgie, you know, so... Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yeah, it's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. Here goes, Dave. It's a privilege to have this man on the show. There's no need for the stats red carpet. Uh, in many ways, <laughs> this man has ascended to the throne of king of club cricket. Uh, That's he's, right. a, he's a player and club president at Cluj in Transylvania, Romania. Um, just as I say that, I, I just think back to this account starting on Twitter on in, in corporate <laughs> bathrooms, and I never thought that we'd be talking to a Transylvanian cricketer, but what a great code this is. Uh, he joins us on the phone on the way to Bucharest right now, I think. Pavel Florin, a very warm welcome to the Great Cricketer podcast, mate. Hi, everybody, and uh, I'm glad to, to be in uh, your uh uh, sure. Uh, we're glad to have you with us. Um, Pavel, we always start the same way and we're not going to change with you. Uh, what does club cricket mean to you? Uh, uh, if you uh, try now hire me, is a problem because uh, you need uh, to speak with my president now. <laughs> <laughs> What a start! What a start! Uh, are you saying so? So, have you got a lot of people? This, 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 go on. This is politics, no? 
This is politics. <laughs> this is a political I'll podcast. Go with the professional people. <laughs> um, Pavel, can you just for the audience? Um, many people will have obviously seen you on TV now, but can you just tell us a little bit? I know you have done it all the time now because everyone's so interested in you and your story. But what is what is your cricket story? What led you to the Euro cricket leagues? What made you even like cricket? That's a, that's an interesting one. Yes, is uh, two men two here. Uh, is the power the player and the power the president, uh, <laughs> and also the the first uh, the uh, another part of uh, Pavel life. But uh, I speak about uh, the Pavel the player. Please, you know uh, you know my secret because uh, why uh, I love this game and. Uh, why I enjoy to play and uh, everything is because uh, uh, you know in cricket I'm a child. I play just for a few years and uh, everything is new for me and uh, I have uh, I have dreamed now. It's like a child. You see uh, new moves, uh, you see new players, you see new stadiums, you see Everything is new for me, and uh, I, I just, I just dream. So, Pavel, you've got a game today. You're actually on your way to Bucharest. Um, is it? This is a semi-final that you're playing today. Is that right? Yes, yes. Uh, just now, I'm packing, and uh, you know, you know the story. I need to go 500 kilometers. 500 kilometers. Uh, and uh, but for for us uh, is not a problem. Uh, how uh, I say earlier, uh, we dream and uh, we dream again to reach to ECL. We need uh, win uh, the championship, and uh, uh, it's not a problem for us to travel or spend money. Do you guys all travel in the same car, or do you do you does everyone drive in their own car? Do you are you giving anybody a lift out to Bucharest today? Uh, my people is not uh, from I have here in Cluj uh, seven people but the rest of the people is in uh, all over of Romania uh, the the teams the another teams is in, in Bucharest uh, everybody's player there and uh, we represent the rest of Romania and uh, I go with the car and pick up all the boys on the road. Um, Pavel, do they pay you for petrol? <laughs> what? Do they pay you for petrol, for fuel, for gas? Yes. No, everybody pay the petrol. Good. We are... Uh, is, mm. Here is not important if you are president or player... Uh, the money is the same. Mm. Oh, just something. So you're the club president. Here. Does that? Are you also the club treasurer? Are you in, involved in the the collection of of subs payments for the season? Uh, the problem in Romania, uh, nobody sponsorship uh, the cricket. Uh, mm. Here, mm. the people think for real the cricket is that uh, sport uh, with the horses polo. Mm. So. Mm. <laughs> Who sponsored this uh, sport? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sorry, I was I was going to say when you were playing in the European Cricket League, you were playing in a non-professional team, and you were playing against 
teams from Italy and the Netherlands and those guys had professional players that you were playing against. I mean, so what do some of your teammates do for work? Yes, uh, you see, if you are here and play uh, in the park, uh, play uh, on the road, or uh, when you go uh, to the field, uh, you play uh, alone in that field, is not spectators or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you reach there to the ECL and uh, uh, everything is paid and... uh, uh, your shirt, your pants is there, and uh, uh, the television is there. The player, the mass media, everything is there. Is huge for everybody. Uh, you are in TV also. Uh, it's fantastic. It was our dream, and we reached there. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you'll have achieved more um, doing that than many people listening to this show as well, Pavel. Uh, one, one thing I wanted to ask you in terms of trying to understand the similarities between cricket in Romania and cricket uh, in, say, Australia, <laughs> is um, do, do you guys shower at the end of the day's play? Uh, and and do you get a lot of respect for your um, very strong body? Because a, a lot of people mm. listening to this show will look at your mm. body because you're a bouncer and just say, you know what, um, he can play cricket however he likes, but mm. what a rig, you know, what a fantastic <laughs> chest uh, and, and biceps you have. Mm. Ah, ah. <laughs> uh, of course, um, I am a sport lover, and uh, if you mm. don't know... Uh, one uh, of uh, my favorite uh, sports is uh, Aussie rules. Wow. <laughs> and I watched uh, maybe, uh, I don't know, 500 matches of Aussie rules. And uh, <laughs> I born in Australia, I played also this game. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, but it's not late. And uh, I'm the president of co- clubs, of course, and uh, maybe I uh, make a, a section for uh, Aussie rules and the one for netball. Okay. <laughs> because you should do that. nobody play here Aussie rules and netball in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> you could probably have a word to the AFL CEO. They're a very expansionist-driven yeah. uh, <laughs> private league. Pavel, you've been over in London Recently, I saw some pictures of you at Lords wearing a very sharp blazer. Um, what was it like for you visiting the home of cricket in Lords? Is uh, not was that idea to visit Lords. Uh, it was uh, go and see how uh, the little clubs manage everything there, and uh, I visit many little clubs. Uh, for me, Lords is, was very expensive for real because I uh, need buy clothes you can go in the, <laughs> the Lord's gift shop and, <laughs> and uh, uh, of course it was a great experience and uh, is one of uh, the best uh, day of my life mm-hmm. Papa what do you what do you but, uh, uh, guys let yeah, me on. let me uh, speak about my bowling speak about uh, I don't know. Uh, just uh, tell you uh, how is the life here with the bat Please. of cricket. Talk yeah. about your cricket. Talk, Talk about, about it. About Let's bowling. go. Yeah. Yes. Uh, 
you see when the, you go on the street with the bat you have problems here <laughs> why because, uh, the, the police arrest you here if you go to the bat in the and uh, I, I have a, a bad uh, bad uh, experience with the police when uh, open my trunk and there was the bat of cricket and i tried playing <laughs> Uh, guys, uh, I am a player of cricket, and these guys say, "What is the cricket? I don't know." And I say, "Okay, it's a sport. I'm a sport, and don't believe me, the police." And I say, "Okay, but think how I can't go to the fight with this bat. It's very heavy, and you, for real, you can't go to the fight with the cricket bat. So efficiency." <laughs> Just to 11, uh, just to but, 11. Yeah. But uh, uh, the police don't believe me. And after I uh, show some pictures mm. <laughs> with me and I play. Uh, uh, oh, wow. I mean, uh, Pavel, on that note, you obviously have a huge commitment to cricket. You know, you're driving 500 kilometers to the game. You mm-hmm. say that you bowl with your heart. You know, you're evading police and explaining to them why a cricket bat isn't a weapon and you're a sports lover. There's a lot of people who listen to this show who play a lot of cricket but actually hate it. Um, mm. What do you have to say to the people who perhaps have some hard times in cricket and aren't sure why they play? <laughs> Uh, I don't understand very well the questions, but no, uh, fair enough. I I, uh, I talk about uh, another thing. Uh, I uh, say you, I am the child of cricket, and what mm. what I don't understand why people and the professional or ordinary men uh, at age uh, thirty five or forty mm. leave the cricket. Mm-hmm. This, this I had, I don't understand. Is a wonderful sport to play. It's not matter if is money or not money involved. Mm-hmm. Why the people don't play cricket anymore? Mm-hmm. I meet many many people at Lords, at Oval, or uh, at uh, home who stay and just watch and don't play. Mm-hmm. Why? Why is this? I I don't understand. Uh, please please answer to my question. Yeah. Well, in Australia, if you're over 25 years of age, you're considered old by selectors, both at grade level and national level. So it's very difficult to maintain enthusiasm for the game when there's literally no path for you to excel. So, and people, then they have to think about things like family and career and all these other considerations come into it, Pavel. And um, that's why people end up giving the game away because as you know, um, it can be very difficult to spend so much time and effort driving around the country. In your case, 500 kilometres, that would be very difficult for people here in a, in Australia um, to, to do. And to your credit, you do it. But that's that's why the game is so difficult to play when you get older, Pavel. I think it's wrong because it's uh, one of the uh, beauty of life, no? Mm. The sport, the cricket, no? Mm. I agree. You, and, you, and Pavel... You know, Another thing in Australia, and maybe you have a thought on this, is when we grow up, we're um, pressured to to be very good at the game, maybe. So when you don't score that many runs or you get hit for a lot of runs as a bowler, if you're not successful, you sort of feel like you're, you've failed. 
And so there's this constant sense of failure in cricket and people just end up leaving the game because it's a, it's, yeah. a, it's a tough game. But maybe you have some thoughts on that as well. I mean, how, how, how do you deal with a hard day in the field in cricket? Yes, I have the same problem. Uh, you know, uh, I have the job. Uh, maybe I need to, I'm not married to go and make a family and also, I have the problem with uh, my teammates or uh, everybody. When you're new in this sport, don't let you bowl and bet. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't give up. <laughs> now the people laugh. This my bowling is like a grenade and uh, another <laughs> thing. But, uh, I have dreams mm-hmm. and. Uh, I have uh, big dreams, like a player. Of course, uh, my dreams, like a president, uh, is reachable. Mm. But I have mm-hmm. dreams, like a, a player also. I am 40 years old, but uh, the cricket is not finished here. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? I play in ECL. No, it was my dream to play in ECL. I play. Who knows? Maybe one day I play in uh, BBL. Why not? <laughs> Uh, Pavel, um, people are often very scared of playing cricket. There's a lot of fears, maybe an extra fast bowler or a catch coming your way or, you know, your dad coming to watch. I mean, what are are some of the things that scare you when you're playing cricket? If anything, maybe you're not scared of anything playing cricket. uh, Cricket is very uh, easy to play. Uh, is another sport who is hard sport. Uh, uh, if he's coming a fast bowler, how what uh, you uh, be wrong or uh, be bad? Uh, hit mm. you a ball, no? Hit you in the chest, nothing is problem. Or hit you in the head, you have a helmet. Mm. Uh, in my opinion, it is not a dangerous sport. Mm. But. Nice. Uh, uh, this sport uh, have uh, have adrenaline, very big adrenaline. Mm-hmm. This is important because uh, when you stay and uh, wait to come the ball, uh, think how uh, your heart beat <laughs> in that moment. Oh yeah. No? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're bowling and you see, in my case, you see the ball is going slow, 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 and reach <laughs> to the bat. Man, and when I stay there and I I wait to see what the batsman do, my heart is boom, 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 and I yep. see the batsman hit the ball, and the ball is going up, 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 and I pray, please catch it, please catch it, please catch it. <laughs> oh, so can you can you explain That's how so it feels? When someone drops a catch off your bowling, uh, mm. ah, it's not problem. This never was a problem because also I drop the catches and uh, <laughs> it's part of the game. This is the problem. The the professional player don't drop the catches. Mm. <laughs> the 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 matches is not fun. Sometimes you need drop the catches. <laughs> it's part of the game, no? Pavel. Mm. In, in Australia, each team records their scores and then it's logged into a competition management system um, known as My Cricket. So everyone's 
runs and wickets are available for everybody publicly to view online. Is that the same in Romania? Are your statistics on the internet? And if so, what's the URL? Uh, please repeat the question because uh, I don't understand very well. Your your batting statistics, your your career, is that available on the internet or is it just in the scorebooks in, written down in pencil in Romania somewhere? Yes, um, I know uh, um, if you don't know, uh, I am an international player. <laughs> of course, uh, in, uh, in my country, I had no idea. It's just it's for uh, native Romanian who play for national team for native, and maybe we are ten native Romanian who play cricket, adults mm. men. Yeah. And of course, I'm uh, in national team because I'm Romanian, no? mm. and uh, I have uh, a number, and mm. it's a good number. I am a number six eight eight in the world. Nice. Better this is my number. Yes, yeah. that's your number. That's uh, and that's uh, that's higher than ours. Fine. Just last question, um, Pavel. You uh, talked. What I don't finish. Uh, I have the statistics, mm-hmm. and uh, my statistics is like that. Uh, lucky, lucky man. Mm-hmm. All ten balls, uh, I make uh, ten runs, and mm-hmm. I have three wickets. Yeah. <sighs> a good that's good. <laughs> that's very that's good. good. For, for national team, and uh, I play in, I guess, uh, Austria, who is number 49 in the world. It's a good team. Well, we hope to see you knock Austria over um, when you play them, Pavel. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, just, to, just to finish off, maybe do you have one last thing to say to our audience, who many of whom are cricketers, about playing the game? Yes, uh, if you don't know, uh, I plan to come in uh, Australia. Mm. So before I, I speak about Austria, I, I plan ag- against Austria, not Australia. Austria is a country in Europe. Mm. Uh, I, I plan to co- uh, come uh, in Australia mm. uh, in November. Oh, great. Uh, uh, it was... Uh, a small, I don't know if small or big, but uh, is a, a club in Melbourne who say, uh, Pavel, please come and uh, see us. And uh, say uh, he say to me, we don't have money to give you or something, but uh, we make a collect and buy you a ticket to come here. Oh, that's cool. And uh, <laughs> this is... Uh, it's very huge for me because somebody <laughs> makes something for me to make a collect and uh, pay my ticket. Uh, uh, I think uh, that people want to be there. And uh, I think it's, uh, it's very important. Uh, I go to play uh, matches there. It's very important for me, these matches, because uh, mm. these people uh, make this thing from the heart mm. and, uh, and uh, you when uh, you make things of the heart uh, I need respect and uh, I stay and prepare for this Pavel you're a great and bloke the, you're a ripping bloke what, keep going <laughs> uh, what I can say for the people of world uh, don't forget this is a sport. It's not a business. Please don't forget this. this is a sport that we need to play with the heart. This sport, and 
Pava, well said. Gorgeous. Thanks for joining the great Beautiful cricketer. Stuff. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Lots of laughs as well. I love I love the the um the Twitter account. It's great. I follow it um a great deal. And even while I understand not only not, not even half of it, I still love it. <laughs> what perfect endorsement could you have? If you're listening to this in Australia and you plan on staying in Australia over the next few months and braving some of the deep uh, climate issues that will um, confront us and will continue to confront us for a long period of time, uh, if you can get past all the fires and stuff like that and the record temperatures, mm. you will be getting yourself ready for summer. <laughs> I just want to, you know, there's two things I think of when I think of summer. I think of uh, climate change catastrophe and I also think of budgie smuggler <laughs> and getting my rig in shape. And they're not mutually exclusive. You can wear budgies no. indoors, indoor pools. There is a proliferation of indoor pools around Sydney that I've seen recently. You can rock them there. That's a very good place to to kit out in some budgies. There are saunas have to be out in certain nightclubs that you can, like uh, like spas in certain nightclubs you can go to, mm. uh, indoors, obviously, and just um, mm. not the kind of clubs Ch- that I would go to necessarily. But um, no. what I'm saying Japan- is like... Maybe some um, Japanese hot springs, the World Cup's on, <laughs> if, if you're travelling that way. That's a good point. Tokyo, yep, good point. Um I mean, summer is around the corner, though, for, for those those playing the Australian game. You know, well, it England, comes earlier and earlier due to climate change. Hey, Karen. This is the golden age of global warming, Sam, as you know. Um, and, you know, England are touring New Zealand, so the Barmy Army are going to be heading heading south for the winter. Um, and uh, so what an opportunity to get the get the budgies out here. Yeah. I mean, budgie smuggler just, just mm. in and around test cricket at the moment, the one-day scene, the test scene, you know, T20 World Cup next year. They're probably going to be the name sponsor, naming rights. So if I had to guess, if I had to this podcast, they're probably going to be doing that as well. We've had, some, we've had some feedback actually on the, um, the the amount of times that we mention climate change and it's been negative feedback. I'm not sure if you've seen any of the reviews on that on iTunes. We've been described as leftists, just paint by numbers. The climate activism. deniers. Yeah. Climate change, man-made climate change deniers. I mean, there's more consensus among the scientific, the scientist community about man-made influence of on climate change than there is about uh, you know smoking causing lung See, cancer. See, listen to this so. bloke. I'm just on iTunes. He says, "Be prepared for regularly injected, holier than thou, unconsidered, paint by numbers, middle class green leftism." <laughs> <laughs> it's which true. Is, and then he goes on to say, "Which, of course, is the modern day Australian equivalent to the faded macho culture they one notely decry." <laughs> <laughs> That's when, interesting. Love when Dad gets That's on. That's a really good review. Keep the reviews coming. Love when Dad gets on there. I um I had, I had um a breakfast with my parents about maybe two months ago, and uh, no, it kind of been. It doesn't matter when it was. And uh, it was actually it was it was when we just came back from the, the UK. It's about a month ago, mm-hmm. and perfect winter's day. Uh, you know, there was actually like twenty five degrees. Um, and I was saying, like, oh, you know, this is just global warming in a nutshell, isn't it? And my, my parents were going on about how global warming isn't real and it's always been hot and stuff. Um, yep. And it, it has always been hot, um, but not, yeah. not as hot as, as it is right now. It's never been this hot. Um, it's, never, it's never been 25 degrees in the middle of winter, Mum. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, budgie smuggler. So, yeah, I mean, it's great, for, it's great news for budgie smugglers in a short-term um, yeah. fashion, though I'm sure that the good people there also um, acknowledge man-made climate change and it helps well, You can actually business. contribute with carbon offsets to your budgie purchases, I believe. There's a little um, true. icon at the bottom of well, the page. they're working on it. Yeah. Yeah. So with that in mind, uh, and I think it's fair to say that over the course of the Northern Summer, we've absolutely nailed these ads. Uh, budgiesmuggler.com.au. <laughs> Stop using plastic straws. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. 
Like, maybe you're a raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live. Because you shouldn't have to change teams, even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Lads, as we've said a couple of times throughout this show, this we're going to take a couple of weeks off in between seasons here whilst we uh, refresh and uh, work on our projects for the summer, of which there are many and they will be plentiful. And we, as ever, want you lovely people listening to this to come along for the ride. Um, many of you are overseas, um, so there's no excuse. You will fly to any of the cities where we'll, where we'll be performing. And, um, yep. That's a great advert for us. Um, okay, so live shows. People have been asking about the live shows. We are touring Australia again. Um, we're going to be in Brisbane at the Princess Theatre on the 21st of November. We are going to be in Melbourne for two shows at least this year on the 27th and the 28th of December at the Corner Hotel. And we're going to be in Sydney for at least two shows as well on the 3rd and 4th of January at the Comedy Store. Um, there'll be a link uh, to those tickets on, so- on our social medias, also likely in a promotion for this podcast. Um, also, greatcricketer.club for all of our merchandise and ticket sales. All the stuff will be there. That's the best way you can do it. Um, but we'll be, um, you, know, you know, you guys know how the internet works. There'll be a link to the internet sites where you can buy the tickets to the live shows and we're going to be performing. We're all going to be there. Uh, we should say as well, we're a chance for the other cities, particularly Adelaide and Perth, um, some stuff revolving around our work with Channel 7 this summer, um, or as Dave calls them, the other network. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pez, something else? Yes, I uh, wanted to also take a chance as we are wrapping up this kind of mini-season, I suppose, to thank a young man by the name of Jared Biviano. Uh, those who, I guess, subscribe to the show, follow the show on social, will have noticed a large uptick or an improvement in the graphic design around our podcasts. Uh, Jared kindly approached us and said that he'd like to be part of uh, helping us improve that, which is, I presume, was a way of saying what you're currently doing is disgusting. Uh, And we were happy enough to, we were extremely happy and grateful to accept his help. Now, just a little background on Jared. Firstly, he asked that I not mention his name, presumably because he's embarrassed to be associated with us. He is a (laughs) great graphic designer, and and I I would like to plug him. If you do want to know what he does and what he's about and all of his work, go to his Instagram. It's at the fifth creative at the fifth creative that is also about jared i've just got his my cricket up here as well and um he averages 24.48 uh across 231 matches he plays first grade for sutherland he has three first grade hundreds and put on 300 with shane watson last year so he can play the code as well and uh really sorry jared for saying all of that but uh he's an exceptionally good graphic designer and left hand opening bat i hit 10 in a trial match on the weekend as well by the way it's always good to go away and get 10 isn't it thanks jared (laughs) <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Let's get into hashtag AskTGC. Um, thank you. It, it's it's really getting to the point where they're uh, getting like there are there are so many that are coming in. So um, don't stop that 
if I haven't read your, your question out, we haven't read your question out over the summer, um, we'll get to them one day, but there are dozens and dozens and hundreds of these coming in. So thank you very much for the people who write in. But um, these are we've got four of the best here uh, this week. Uh, Nick Barker is going to kick it off for us this week, and he says, hey, boys, I'm not sure if this is the right spot to put our questions for hashtag RCDC in, but due to some questions being a 1,000 words long, I'm assuming this is the right place. He comes in via email. Anyways, I'm a batsman who rarely bowls, but if called upon, I've always sent down my rank slow medium paces with my main focus just being to land the ball on the pitch whilst going through the kitchen at night preparing late night meals during ad breaks while watching the ashes i've caught myself shadow shadow bowling as a rare pace bowler myself i haven't been trying to emulate the amazing sling action of mitch johnson or the tall and elegant action of mitch stark I have caught myself emulating the most extravagant spin bowling action with the run-up of Shane Warne and the action itself, a fucking crazy three-way love child between Adil Rashid, Mattia Murugathurun, and Harbhajan the Turbinator Singh. What the fuck is wrong with me? It's just as me trying to find my true self. Cheers, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> um, he kind of gives himself a rap, doesn't he? Just saying I'm just this amalgamation mm. between yeah, three incredible spinners. Mm. But like He's maybe Pavel. maybe this it is. Pavel. is. <laughs> this is Pavel writing it under a pseudonym. <laughs> yeah, uh, it sounds like there's something trying to escape your body, there, Nick. There's something that's try. There's <laughs> something that you've been kind of. Um, yeah. yeah, something's taken over your body, taken hold, and mm. I think you've got to roll with it. You've got to forget this slow medium uh, claptrap and start producing some of this fucking crazy three way love child bowling as yep. you describe it. He's mentioned um, Murali and Harbhajan there. Is he chucking it? Is he shadow bowling no balls? I'd love to know if his elbow is going past the 15 degrees or whatever they whatever they yeah. use these days to call a noe. Like if you're chucking mm. it while you're shadow bowling, then that's a confronting realisation. Mm. Best, best of luck dealing with that. <laughs> okay. Cheers, Nick. Uh, Lockie O'Keefe writes in, Gents, I need help deciding what I should do with my cricketing career. I'm a second-grade opening bowler occasionally appearing in the ones when their openers have better things to do with their Saturdays. I've had three good seasons in the twos, including taking five for 22 in a losing grand final and being named man of the match. My problem this year is that our long-standing first-grade opening bowler has moved clubs, and I have been named in the first-grade side for the first trial match of the season, and I'm seriously concerned that I do not have enough social capital to mix it with the ones boys. My social capital run sheet is as follows. No chest, no pipes, but have a good salad and bowling that has been described as sharp by a few opening bats. I have a career batting average of 6.13 with a top score of 20-odd, 17-odd out, but I'm one of the few single lads in the side and have a few decent chops and circuit stories that the older blokes always latch onto. I drive a 1999 Toyota RAV4 with dints in the roof courtesy of Splendor 2016, but have several new tattoos, one of which was acquired on a drunken night out in Surface Paradise. I'm too scared to sledge due to all my, my due, due to my altogether lack of rig, have nightmares about the short ball and misfield balls at mid-off for fun. I'm also a music teacher which generates some interest from the more established members of the side who enjoy reminiscing about old Aussie rock. My university major in jazz, however, is considered fucking yuck and disgustingly rare. I've only showered once with the ones team and did so in my skins before quickly slipping into a fresh pair of tradie undies my mum bought me. I was fined heavily for this. The question remains... Does my salad, chop stories, tattoos and circuiting ability leave me with enough social capital to make it in the highest grade I'll surely never reach, or does my overall rareness and lack of ability leave me forever relegated to being an okay second grader? If this is the case, should I apply to be a second grade captain in order to climb to the top of the alpha tree in the twos, or is it time for me to give away this cut of a game and enjoy a few Saturdays at the pub on Tinder? Thoughts? <laughs> Fucking hell. 
It's one of those questions that hits every fucking great cricketer bingo KPI. <laughs> Chess pipes, rig, salad, yuck, social capital, alpha. It's all there. Jazz. Jazz. Showers, yep. mum. Tradie undies. <laughs> <laughs> so many trading on these gags in this show. Fuck me. Um, 1999 Toyota Rav4 with dints in the roof, courtesy of Splendor 2016. Sorry. Uh, um, I think there's a, he's got enough going on, um, but I don't think you yeah. need to. Uh, there's always this thing about you, you feel like you need to prove yourself to people in high graders because, as, we, as we've always said, playing bingo, again, if you play in a higher grade than someone, you're a better person than them. So, mm. But, like, the reality is, in reality – the mm. like the people who play lower graders often have um, a more rounded personality because they haven't committed their they haven't put all mm. the eggs into the cricket basket mm. essentially. Well, it's like a beautiful um, man or woman, you know, they coast on their beauty and they don't have to worry about you know rounding themselves as a person or, or any, mm. anything Bubble else boys. other than just being beautiful. Boys. And that's yeah. what a first grade, a wonderful first grade cricketer is: is just a beautiful man or woman who doesn't have to mm. worry about anything, and therefore their personalities can sometimes lack. Um, Lockie can just touch up around the edges here. Like, just don't shower in your skins. Like, he's even writing that, he's, aw- he's self-aware enough to know that's a dumb thing to do and then just slip into a pair of undies that your mother had bought you. Um, I'm not sure how old you are, Lockie. I mean, you're on Tinder, so you've got to be of age anyway, and you're at the pub. So you his should university be... major is in jazz, okay, so, he's so he's sort of at the early 20s. Back end of his yeah. uni. Yeah. But also his mum buys him undies. Yeah. <laughs> well... <laughs> um, Sort sort the shower stuff out, then sort out the home stuff. I reckon. Yeah, trickle down, trickle down. Do do you think a university major in jazz kind of flies in twenty nineteen cricket? Certainly wouldn't have if two thousand well ninety nine nine two thousand six inclusive. No, it really wouldn't have. No, the the Aussie rock stuff is there. Is still is still your banker. The jazz you might find. You know, you might find someone of interest in yeah. that, usually an older gentleman who likes to drink, you know, a Pinot Gris at the end of a day's play, a wine drinker. Exactly. You might get into a really good conversation with one equally rare unit and there's, <laughs> you know, strength in numbers of rarity that you will both be consigned to the waste spin of grey cricket very quickly. Okay. okay. Uh, Joel Tan. Uh, this is a lengthy one. Dear Ask TGC. After professing for most of my life that I had no interest in cricket whatsoever, I made the questionable decision of checking out this year's IPL on the recommendation of a friend who's been trying to get me to watch it for years. Before I knew it, I was hooked. I found myself streaming every game I was able to, waking up in the middle of the night while on holiday with my girlfriend to check match scores and staying up till dawn, glued to a screen watching Chennai lose a nail-bite over a final to Lassith Malinga's phenomenal bowling and a questionable MS Dhoni run-out decision. While this all seemed like a relatively harmless interest at the time, in the intervening months I've gone on to obsessively follow first the World Cup and now the Ashes, and it's becoming a bit of a concern. Six months ago, the only cricket I'd ever seen was the occasional Big Bash game, but I now found myself at the conclusion of a five-match test series, having intentionally watched the majority of it, wondering who this stranger I've become is and how I'm supposed to feel about him. At the same time, I'm experiencing a deeper identity crisis brought on by still wanting to support the Indian cricketers who got me into the sport to begin with, while also realising just how fucking good 
Australia are. Steve Smith's performance during the Ashes has been utterly transcendent, leading me to join the voices hailing him as the best since Bradman, in brackets arguably an even bolder claim on my part, given that Sir Donald was literally the only cricketer I knew by name a few short months ago. <laughs> Jasper Boomer's recent hat-trick and India's overwhelming dominance in all formats of the game during the tour of the West Indies, while nice to see, just didn't hold a candle to the thrill of watching Smudge bat his way to a double ton in his first post-concussion appearance, or the satisfaction of denying the World Cup winning, he puts an asterisk there besides World Cup winning, nation, the chance to claim an Ashes victory as well. Meanwhile, an Instagram post from Virat Kohli showcasing the underwhelming rigs of the Indian team has left me questioning whether I can still get around these blokes, a question which continues to trouble me regardless of how well they actually perform on field. With that said, how concerned should I be about my increasingly compulsive interest in the sport of cricket? How should I resolve the tension I feel regarding team loyalty? And what does all this imply about the level of security I feel in my relationship with my adopted younger brother, who happens to be Indian and has a better rig, salad and circuit to chop conversion rate than I could ever hope to manage. <laughs> That's from Joel. That's really good. Really good. Cool. I don't know where. Yeah. I can't remember where Joel's from. I can't. I, I can't remember which which format this came in. I might have been email, so I might not have um, been able to find it. But um, um, it's a really good question. So that's great. I presume he's not Australian. He's not from Australia. I think he, he might I be, think he is. and he's got an adopted uh, younger brother who happens to be Indian. That's that's the mm. bit that got me in the end. A wonderful twist because he just got he into was... cricket by checking out this year's IPL on the recommendation of a friend. So that's how well, he, he just happens to the fucking IPL first up. That's like the worst cricket to watch. I know. That's uh, but he was. Is hooked. it though? We just don't see it here. The IPL's good, isn't it? No, I don't know if it is. I can't watch cricket in India. The wickets are shit. It's like it's all blurry and like I, I just, I don't know. It's all it blurry. Doesn't, doesn't feel right. Doesn't feel, I want crisp HD 4K shit on the NBN. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, uh, such wonderful questions in here, Joel, and it's so well written. This is like Richard Flanagan with a pseudonym as well. I'm a bit intimidated to answer it just but, on the um, indian rigs can... though like they're not that yeah, bad please. are they like Coley. i mean i know it, or, i guess it depends how you're looking at rigs whether you're looking at them through the uh, traditional western body image prism where men have to be like muscular but also have a really low body fat percentage mm. oh, um, that's interesting it, it, it depends if he's looking at because the, the indian team they're not they're not bad rigs like coley has got salads. an objectively <clears throat> good rig oh, salads are unbelievable fashion sense <laughs> high fashion some mm. of them it's well, he, he goes, you're the rig guy? I mean, what's what's your view on Indian uh, cricket team's rigs? Um, like, Boomer is just lean. He's just just like, it, it just levers. Boomer's levers. Boomer's levers. Mm-hmm. Actually, that reminds me. I, I, um, um, girlfriend of mine uh, matched with Jasper Boomer on Bumble when they were in Australia over the summer. Okay. And I know that because um, she screenshotted everything and uh, she showed me. I, I, oh, I cool. didn't ask for that. Um, but um, so yeah, he was out there. There was also that stuff about Shami was like sliding into someone's Instagram DMs mm. Uh, mm. unsolicited. Uh, okay. So like they're they're they're, they're Indian team up on about alleged. Is that alleged or it's just that? No, that's, no, no, that's, no, no. That's no, no. It's a real thing. The the, the okay. Instagram stuff's real. Um, yeah. The Instagram stuff's real. Um, <laughs> what is this show? Epstein. In, India are up and about. Uh, yeah, the rigs are fine. The salads are incredible. Jadeja, Kohli, Boomers are right. You know, there's there's enough going on there. There's, there's some great... Yeah, I think they're fine. India's fine. Fine. Okay, India's fine. It's, it's, 
India's fine. They're very Bikram yogurt rigs to me. Uh, so, okay. So just uh, increasingly compulsive interest in the sport of cricket. How concerned should Joel be by that? Well, very. You know, you're consigning mm. yourself to a life of much pain, soul-searching, existentialism. Um, but it all, as he goes, uh, very wisely said earlier, it's all very tantric, Joel. And once every 20 years, you'll something good will happen, maybe. Well, it's in the honeymoon uh, so- period, maybe. I mean, he's only been... He's only been in this for less than a year. Let's let's not forget that it's it's mm. been less than a year that he's been watching and appreciating cricket, and he True. has been exposed to like wall to wall premium cricket the over the past few premium. months. The the one most yeah. wonderful English summer that True. was, as all the misty eyed English journalists will tell you. And now <laughs> it's fucking time for us all to take a breather. We'll take a few weeks mm. off, reevaluate our priorities in life, and I encourage Joel to do the same. Maybe we could explain to Joel when cricket can be bad to watch. I mean, what, when does it get mm. bad? Kind well, of we tried to do that with four. Pavel, but he just didn't want a bar mm. of it. Similar thing. I mean, he's only yeah. been playing for eight years. Watch mm. the highlights of the Big Bash when it was still going on in March last year. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, watch maybe. any test match at the MCG on Boxing Day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, watch Boxing Day. It'll change your mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last one, lads. I just want to sneak this one in because it sort of encapsulates the summer that's been. Elliot Anderson, hashtag ICDC. Hi, fellas. I'm writing to you about a cricket-related dream I had last night, which I hope you can shed some light on. This isn't your usual can't-find-your-kit or walking out with no gear on. I dreamt I was keeping, which I rarely do, and a former teammate was batting. I've ended up stumping him and giving him a disgraceful send-up, send-off. A full-on barrage of fuck you, champ, and better luck next time, dickhead. I've never had a disagreement with said teammate, and we got on very well, so no idea where this outburst has come from in my subconscious. I do like a sledge on the field, but try to keep it lighthearted rather than straight-up abuse. Thoughts? Go well, Elliot. <laughs> a lot of people are concerned. Why is he sledging his friend? Like, he's in his dream, he's like, he's never had an altercation with this person. Mm. That's, that's some deep-seated shit, isn't it? That's some yeah. deep-seated issues underlying there. Well, my um, mother-in-law is a psychologist by trade and actually on the side runs dream groups. Really? And so um, she has been quite strong on dream interpretation for a while, and I respect it. Some of it sounds quite meaningful dreams could be great metaphors for things happening in your life and she kind of um encouraged my wife to write down her dreams when she was a child and so i have dreams when like where like i just have fucking shapes in them and shit nothing really much is happening Mm -hmm. and like then tori will wake up and go i was dreaming that i was you know like riding on a dolphin in sydney harbour you know uh and went under the harbour bridge and something oh okay Mm -hmm. Good on you, but you know you can, but like you can learn more about your dreams by kind of uh, writing them down and kind of um, ruminating on them, I suppose, uh, a little bit. I'm just saying this as I'm googling um, verbal abusing, verbal abuse of people in dreams. Because when you say that you you just dream of shapes and stuff, are you talking like Ian Bell, front arm, good front press, those kind of shapes? Yeah, like a yeah, yeah. Shape. dancing. I remember yeah. being yeah, in yeah. Um, I'm just Byron Bay <laughs> at, a, at a hostel and meeting a, like a really lovely bloke during the day, and there was like an eight bed hostel room, and we were all went to sleep. In the middle of the night, this bloke just started racially abusing no one, <laughs> just like shouting <laughs> racial abuse at the top of his lungs in an eight bed hostel dorm. He seemed a lovely uh, bloke. 
Uh, okay, so so dreaming of abusing or? a person means you will be unfortunate in your affairs, losing good money through overbearing persistency in business relations with others. <laughs> <laughs> um, there you go, Elliot. That's the answer to your question. Um, all right, Ian Higgins here signing off with Sam Perry and Dave Edwards. We'll be back in a couple of weeks' time for the UK Great to say, guys, of New Zealand. Big thanks to the fans. Big thanks to the fans who listened uh, of course, throughout this mate. time of course, for making mate. this, uh, for sticking this with thing us. what it is. Thank you for listening and uh, and all of that. Yeah, and just in listening, enduring, writing, engaging. It's, um, you know, we're grateful. It's very nice. Ian Higgins here signing off for Sam Perry and Dave Edwards. We'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. We'll be back again. We'll do it all again for one more summer. Cheers.